0: Welcome to BFF, where Alex and Dave relive their most memorable experiences involving the perfect trifecta, beer, fly fishing, and food. Now here are your hosts, Alex Ramirez and Dave Schoenzeit.
1: Dave, what's happening, man?
0: Hey, what's up, Alex? How you doing?
1: Dude, I'm doing great. It's, uh, I think we should be well-rested, huh? It's been yeah, a while since we did minute. one.
0: It has been. It's good to be back.
1: It's great to be back, man. So uh, listeners, welcome. Season two. Woo. We made it.
0: Yeah. Uh, season one sure went fast.
1: It did, nice. man. You know, when you're at home and starting a podcast during a pandemic, it seems to... You know, we have, we cranked out a few of them. Yeah. That's pretty good. I
0: mean, what better time to start one?
1: Right. Totally. People were hanging out, wanted to listen to something. You're welcome.
0: You're welcome. Wh- I wanted to participate too. Yeah. It was a good focal point. I think for everyone kind of all around. So
1: I agree, man. Totally agree. So what's been happening with you?
0: Uh, What's been happening? I haven't been fishing. I've been kind of lagging. Um, Been just kind of struggling to get out. Water's cold and not a lot, not a lot happening right now. So, which is fine. I mean, I'm sure when I kind of, go all crazy again which I indefinitely will I'll appreciate it that much more but um just kind of trying to trying to catch up on life a little bit some other aspects of it um summer got COVID and then had a really bad case of vertigo so I was kind of in caretaking mode for like three weeks and um luckily now she's she was on the mend she's you know pretty much all better at this point so we're kind of back to business as usual but uh yeah, I've definitely got a hankering to get out fishing. Um, haven't been, but uh, but didn't you you fished yesterday or the day before?
1: Let's say I took the boat out. That'd probably be a better uh, description. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we I went fishing. Um, I I hadn't gotten out. I mean, that's if this is the first time I've been out since January one, which is not a very good track record for somebody in the fishing industry. But uh, yeah, got out there. Water was a little off color. wasn't too bad. Um, really windy, hard keeping the boat where it, uh, where it should be. I got, I got a bunch of excuses why we didn't catch fish if you're picking up what I'm putting down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, right. Rightfully so. I'm sure none of them had anything to do with you.
1: No, not at all. I was just running the boat. So right. I took a couple friends out. Uh, one guy's never been, uh, he, a uh, uh, brother-in-law of my friend who uh, moved here from Georgia and, uh, hasn't chased stripers, um, so we're like, hey, let's go out and see what we can find. So it was good, but it was nice to get I'm, out. You know, it was nice yeah, to run the absolutely. boat. It uh, felt really good. It was, yeah. I mean, all the signs are there, uh, but we just didn't come tight on any. Got a couple bumps. That's about it. But it was good. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm gonna go out again next week. So I gotta, I gotta feel the tug of something.
0: Yeah, it'll 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 pick up where it left off. I mean, even if you even if you have a couple, couple tough trips. I mean, I, I feel like that's just winter fishing. It's a lot of, it's not just you. It's not just me. I've been talking to a lot of friends that just kind of put their fishing on the back burner and, you know, have been focusing on other aspects of their life just because um, you know, water's cold and metabolisms are cold and you know, it's, you, you just don't really have the things aren't teeming with life, you know, at least not, not down where I am the way they are. Yeah. Like I'm sure there are fish to be had somewhere, but it takes a little bit, you know, a different level of conviction to get out and fish when it's cold and when it's, yeah, you know, it's for sure. kind of, but whatever, I mean, it's all good. I think the motivation is just not, not, not there like it is in the spring or the summer or the fall. So.
1: Yeah. I've never, I've definitely noticed that for me. It's like those chilly mornings. I'm like, yeah, well, I think I'll wait for a little bit. Right. until It warms up. But yeah. I'm my robe. Yeah. I'm just going to stay in my robe, <laughs> yeah, in my robe and watch, watch fishing videos. That's yeah.
0: it. Well, it's cool to be definitely, you know, kicking off season two. And I feel like we're really starting off with a bang. Um, we've got an amazing yeah, guest on. Uh, some, He's a buddy of mine that uh, is, I don't know, what I respect the most about him is probably how humble, grounded, and, and modest he is. But he's a total superpower in the world of fly fishing. So I'm really stoked that we could rope him in to spend some time and shed a little light on kind of what he's all about his name's uh his name's mike dawes and he owns he owns and operates world cast anglers they got a couple locations out in victor and uh also in the orvis store out in jackson and uh they run a tight ship out there they do they do both like domestic and, and international guiding and outfitting trips kind of kind of run run the full spectrum but uh they do it in the best way possible and it's it's really cool that that he's going to spend some time with us so i'm I'm excited to pick his brain a little bit and get inside his head and kind of see what he's all about
1: yeah man i'm super fired up i know that we've been uh chasing mike for a while well i mean you're buddies with him and you've been <laughs> telling him about this podcast and things since we started so the fact that uh it took us yeah. a full year to get him on I'm i'm pretty pumped
0: excited well he's so busy it's i I mean i i I talked to him a few times i remember i was i was uh uh, communicating with him when he was out in the indian ocean in the middle of the seychelles uh i don't know st brandon's or something like that and uh, he was emailing me and i think just the time just coordinating a good time to to do this was probably the the hardest part but yeah he's making it happen so so i'm I'm definitely excited
1: yeah dude she's gonna
0: He's going to have a lot of cool things to talk about. No question about that.
1: Yeah, dude. I think we should get him on. Should we give him a call?
0: Yeah. Dial him up.
1: Yeah, dude. I'll dial him up, man.
0: Let's get him on here.
1: Dial, this is a Dial a Guest on the Beer Fly Fishing Food Podcast.
0: This is the best. I love it. It's, like, so organic.
1: I know. Oh, phone's ringing. Hello. Hello, Mike.
2: What's going on? Not much, man. How you doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, what's yeah. Up, Mike? <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> it's Hold going on. Crazy. I'm going to try to uh, ju- just walking in the door here. Let me uh, see if I can get these headphones yeah,
1: sorted. Yeah, dude. We're just having some beers and, you know, relaxing. So take your time.
2: Perfect. Hold on one second.
1: And there's nothing like Friday <clears throat> beers. Feeling pretty good.
0: No, and actually we ended up calling two minutes early. So. Oh yeah. That, that's totally on us. That they we jacked them up. I told them we'd be ringing them at ringing them at six o'clock his time. So.
1: It was crazy. I I, uh, I brought some snacks up here, and then I was thinking like, why why would I have snacks? Like all you're gonna hear is crunching. But <laughs> I've been eating. I've been... hot and spicy Cheez-Its.
0: Yeah, yeah. don't eat those. Right those are now. so good. The white sharp cheddar, Jesus. it's the ridges, the one, the ridges. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. Those are incredible
2: as well. You guys got me now? Can you hear me?
1: Yeah. Line clear. Cool.
2: Yeah.
1: The re- record button's on, so we're we're moving and shaking here.
2: We are. Right on. How you guys doing?
1: You're doing great, man. How about you? Yeah, pretty good. Can't,
2: um, can't complain.
1: Yeah, I saw that picture that Dave sent over to me. So uh, yeah, I, I don't have much to complain about if you're, you're sitting, in some, <laughs> exactly. sitting in some warm water with the permit by the tail.
2: Yeah, no, I got I got nothing to complain about. <laughs> um, I mean, we all do, right? But right, totally, totally. There is nothing nothing worthy. Yeah,
0: awesome. So, so Mike, I mean, uh, yeah, fill us in, man. I, I get this picture from you this afternoon. You tell me it's a fish from last week. Why don't you uh, enlighten us a bit on on last week? What was last week all about for Mike Dawes?
2: Yeah, no, I was I was you know lucky enough to uh, I had two trips, so I went down to to check out the Belize Permit Club, which is out of City River, mm. Will Flax operation, and um, I had I never met Will before actually, so we got along like-minded just well and uh that was pretty rad and then switched over to a guy that I fished with long time ago a really cool rootsy operation in fact their first boat was built in their backyard um out of Belize City for the second week so and I hadn't seen him in a couple years and prior to that I hadn't seen him in like 15 years so it was cool to continue to reconnect and uh, yeah, I was. I mean, I got the permit fish for twelve and a half days in a row, and that doesn't suck. So no,
0: that dude. doesn't sound too bad. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it
2: does yeah. Suck. There's a lot of uh, a lot of hard fishing too, which I I didn't realize how much I missed that. You know, like real real sun up to. I think on that second week, I saw every sun come up and every sun go down from the water. So that was pretty. That was pretty rad. Yeah, dude. That's yeah. totally rad. Sounds now, like you're... heavy
0: heavy conviction fishing, which yeah. is, there's definitely something to be said when you got to get out there and really earn it. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, so that was super lucky and then it got weird, right? We You stare at the water for 12 days or 13 days and then, uh, pull into, Pull into port and someone hops on the boat in a hazmat suit it couldn't couldn't fucking be any more um any two different sides of the spectrum
1: i guess um, so. yeah not kidding dude <laughs> yeah
2: um but but besides that i mean it was you know i mean belize is remarkably on top of this whole thing um I mean, you get, you go, you get arrested if you're not wearing a mask outside, so. Wow. Oh, wow. Holy um, yeah, and they, they don't really have, you know, granted, that's all, you know, that population talk, but I mean, for 380,000 people, and I don't know, they, there was like 10 active cases or something, I mean, it was ridiculous. Wow. Um, and you test test in on the way in and test on the way out, which, that you know, that was the only unnerving part right you, right. you get to, you get hit you get hit with a positive on the way out and yes, two well, more yeah. weeks down there yeah and no coming care. home to an empty empty house wow wife would be gone
1: was it uh <laughs> you know so obviously with the testing going in going out but it wasn't really restrictive at all or anything crazy hoops you had to jump through and it kind of similar to what you do in the past but just with the mask on
2: yeah. I mean, not, not really. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's kind of sad, right? Like COVID travel time is some of the best travel. <laughs> I mean, minus the mask, right? Cause there's right. not a lot of people out there and right. the captain, the captain got on the plane, uh, going back and completely explained the air filtration system. And that was pretty cool to hear. Um, yeah, no no nothing big. I mean there was a little bit you're supposed to have this Belize health app going in and so we did all that stuff and made sure to get the negative test within 48 hours beforehand and we're lucky enough in Wyoming to just pop into a kiosk and get that done. So um That's cool. Yeah, I mean it's not your normal travel, right? But it's it's uh it's I don't you know and it may not be for everyone right i i think i'm probably a little more you guys are too right probably a little yeah. more adventurous i mean oh for sure um but some people i totally get it whether they don't want to go at all but yeah um, I,
0: I i don't know I, I don't know that people could really sacrifice any longer i think we've all been kind of forced to redefine what normal is and uh you know i, I know that we've all probably had to give up trips uh, in the past year oh, that sure. we would have been going on and And just like you you said, I mean, to your point, you know, whatever we need to do to get out and go fishing, like, like nothing is too weird. Like we're going to, we're going to do it, you know? So,
2: but yeah. And whether whether that's in your backyard or, you know what I mean? It doesn't, it's all good. Right. But it's, yeah, it got to the point where um, if these places are open and I mean, ultimately, right. Most of those places that I've been going in Mexico and Belize, which, has pretty much been all of the travel. It's just you're going to places that are safer than your supermarket.
3: Right. Oh, for so sure.
2: Uh, yeah. You know, it's, without a doubt. It's uh, but
3: yeah. What but, about yeah. you guys?
2: What are you guys? What are you guys drinking? By the way, <laughs> <laughs> what's
0: uh, dude? You beat us to the punch. I know, dude. Um, yeah,
1: I'm going back to my roots, and uh, I'm drinking some Modelo, and but it's the the the, the negative Modelo. That's my favorite. It's the the black modello. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling like I should be on a beach somewhere, you know, holding <laughs> holding a rod. So yeah, this is this is me living uh That's living true. the beach life in Northern California.
2: Whatever you and, have and you where
3: Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah.
1: I live in uh, Northern California, just above Sacramento. So I got some really okay, good cool. really good fishing around me. I mean we can I could be, you know, chasing trout and uh you know, same day come down and tug on some stripers. So I got the surf game too. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on around us, which is nice.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm actually drinking just to continue the monotony of my beer drinking (laughs) lately. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm drinking a Miller Light. I was, It's funny. So the first season that oh, we wow. had this mic, we were uh, getting really nerdy with, you know, the craft beers and stuff, which which are great. I mean, they're you know, but it got to a point where like they were just, they were fucking with me <laughs> so bad. Yeah. That, I mean, just all the the glue, like all the shit in them. I I I would drink and I would it would take me. I would just feel so lousy the next day. So I just took a step back and kind of retracted back to these, you know, these Miller lights where I can drink 10 of them and get like a great buzz and wake up tomorrow and not even feel like I drank anything. So (laughs) that's what, that's what, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm, that's what I'm drinking. And uh, for the second season, I guess we're just not quite, we're not, we're not, we're just kind of enlarging the parameters of the podcast a little bit. I think we were a little bit more, uh, meticulous and how everything was kind of, we were orchestrating everything, but now it's just more about getting people good people on, which we did in the first season as well, but just, just a little bit more loosey goosey, having good conversations and, and just exploring commonalities and, uh, yeah, Miller lets me do that really well with minimal repercussions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah,
1: it's the only beer that you can operate heavy machinery. You know, it's like you it's can drink, beer, and then it's right. like, oh, I got to run this back home. Yeah, <laughs> totally hydrating. Yeah.
0: or dehydrating. <laughs> yeah. what are you drinking? Yeah,
2: this, what the do you got going the the CL smooth. You know, you can you can uh, the Coors Light can operate pretty right. well. Totally. Um, I'm drinking a, a Cafe Bustelo. The uh, wow. The the supreme the black can dang I'm off yeah, I'm off the sauce but it it uh it was a long day and I'm uh need a little little juice here so yeah that sounds uh, cool. but it reminds me of uh of the Key West so it's kind of cool well, yeah dude. that's
0: awesome that's awesome and I got your you know when I got your text you know saying that you were off the sauce I'm actually really proud of you because that's uh I mean you know I don't I don't drink often but um you know there there's a place for it in my life but not there doesn't even necessarily uh need to be so anytime i i have any friends that kind of just uh decide to give it the kibosh all together I'm, I'm i'm totally in support of it so for sure so so good for you man
2: yeah thanks man <laughs> yeah. It's, you know i was i was pretty fucking good at it and uh and also just had some you know health problems and yeah i think i told you, Dave, you know, like, should have never, I mean, 20 years ago, right, I should have, after I donated my liver, and I should have never started again, and, um, but, yeah, it's been, it's been nice. That's good. Um.
1: Yeah, I contemplate doing that every once in a while. I'll go for, you know, a good stint, but man, it's it's crazy how good you feel when you don't drink. Right. You know, but then you drink, and then you feel great when you drink. But then it's yeah. like, it's just this whole <laughs> fucked up thing, dude. It, it's know? a yeah. cycle. It's a total cycle. Sure. Yeah. But
0: that's the thing. I think some of us get to the point where we start to question, are the repercussions worth getting the benefit? I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, we drink and it's like, you're totally euphoric for two or three or four or five hours. For me, it's more like maybe two hours. And then it's like I'm dealing with the repercussions for you know five or six or seven or ten you know depending on how much. So yeah, I, I mean you know that that line is drawn differently in the sand for every single person. But uh, but yeah, no, I think there's definitely a, a good meeting of minds when we in in discussing this for sure. Yeah. For sure.
2: <laughs> yeah. Nice. Man. Yeah, there's so, no doubt.
0: A... Go ahead. Mark.
2: Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, no, no.
2: I was. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I, I already forgot what I. Was, I
1: don't know where. <laughs> oh, I was, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll
0: just moving forward. Moving forward. So I want so, to go back
1: to the permit uh, real quick because. Uh, so yeah, yeah. You got some great days down in Belize, um, and this was a a solo, uh, not a solo trip. But you, you were uh, leading the trip, were you? It was just you getting out.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it was some buddies. You know, some guys that. We are we're, we're lucky. We got a a, a group of guys, pretty tight knit. All have no problem getting their ass kicked by permit, and
3: yeah,
2: uh, everyone's done it quite a bit. And then the second week was, uh, you know, the managers from the fly shop, which was super cool because we haven't, you know, as you can imagine, with COVID, oh dude, yeah, we haven't done anything. But we also worked, you know, we're. Super, super lucky at the end of the day. Like you can, we can think about it all we want, but it just so happened that everyone descended on our area, and everything we canceled, we booked again, and we canceled again, and we booked it again, and so it was kind of cool to to not really talk about work and sit on a mothership together as a as a company.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Um,
2: that's rad. Yeah, that was. Uh, it was really it was really cool and, and fish hard too. You know, everyone, these guys, some of the, you know, friends and coworkers are like, this is, this is big. I'm like, yeah, but it's cool. Right. You get to see the sun up and down.
1: Yeah. That's awesome, (laughs) man. That's totally awesome.
0: That is, that's cool. So, so Mike, I want to just kind of take a step back, you know, while we got you first off, I want to say that, I can't, I can't really express how much I appreciate. we, We appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a super busy dude and you've got a million things going on. So taking, you know, some of your personal time to hang out with us and kind of just provide us a lens in to, to kind of who you are and what you're all about, um, is something that's pretty invaluable to us. I mean, I, I've had some good conversations with you for sure, but, uh, i you know i I really we both really appreciate you jumping on and, and hanging out with us for a bit so thank you for doing that yes uh,
2: no i i i appreciate it uh from your guys end and uh alex i look forward to meeting you in person when of these days and yeah man and dave it's you know our story's wild that's it's cool <laughs> it you know, is sad, really cool. sad and i want to cool. touch on that
1: i'm i'm blown away by that story um but yeah, I, I definitely wanted, like Dave said, uh, take a step back. So I would love to hear, I mean, every, everybody's got a story and I feel, you know, your story is really cool because I mean, your lineage and fly fishing, you know, from your father and your grandfather, um, I mean, you were around it, you grew up in it that's what you knew.
0: Total legacy. I yeah. mean, like it's the total deep rooted, you know, I don't know. You just come from a strong pedigree of, of passionate anglers and, uh. Yeah, sorry I didn't mean to interrupt, to Alex. But yeah, no, no to you're, your point. We're
1: we're on the same page, dude.
0: Yeah, like I mean, I don't know. Let's touch on those humble beginnings a little bit, if you can, Mike. I mean, just share a few words about your your dad, your granddad, kind of, you know, how you got started.
2: Yeah, I mean, they they've, you know, I, I often wonder if they would, you know, what they're thinking up top right now, looking down at what they created. I don't think they had that in mind, but. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, my, my grandfather on my dad, so my dad's father was just, um, you know, he's the kind of, they both, right? But my grandfather was at the, at the, you know, Atlantic salmon back, way back, you know, um, obviously trout fishing, but, you know, he was, uh, he's, was involved at Deepwater Key. And I think he built his little, his little shack down there in in 1959. So that was the first kind of, I think it was the first bone fishing lodge in the Bahamas or maybe the first wow. bone fishing lodge. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure when, uh, Poca started, but, um, and so, yeah, I mean, that was, I was fortunate enough to, you know, not only fish and, upstate New York with my father, um, and my grandfather, but also fish, you know, down in the Bahamas every year. And, you know, my, my fit, my grandfather was just, it was just a stud, you know, I mean, he was, they used to go out fishing every night in the old kind of guide boats in upstate New York. And I remember, you know, I don't know how young, probably five, five my first memories of it, but I always would try to go and they'd be like, no. And then my grandfather made me watch him build. So if you guys have ever built a rod, right. I mean, that's, that's a long, painful process. And so I was, you know, at five, I had to sit there and just watch. Um, but after he completed it, that's when I was allowed to go after he completed it. And then also, uh, i could cast it so they would they would leave me on the dock you know practicing casting and they would take off but then eventually i was allowed in so
0: that's so that was uh, yeah, that's it, awesome that that speaks to that old school you know code of ethics like mm-hmm. it needs to be earned you know that's really cool. yeah
2: yeah i was super fortunate and um you know my my father as well is just a you know, hardcore angler, but hardcore, kind of taking it all in. You know, he didn't need to catch. He would rather watch you catch a fish than than him. And had a little bit of a, you know, different out, outlook towards the end of his life, towards towards the whole thing. And um, but yeah, ha- have some. Uh, and then I built my first rod. I got kicked out of college, and um. I actually somehow finagled my way down to the Bahamas and pretty funny. Cause all my friends are like, let me, let me get this right. You got kicked out of fucking college in your in the Bahamas. <laughs> um, <Dude. laughs> but I got to, I got to build my first, uh, my, my first rod with him watching too. So that was pretty special.
0: That's awesome. Um,
2: that
1: is really cool.
0: so, like, I mean, so, you know, you, you, you kind of, you're introduced to fly fishing. You kind of start to fall into it. You're in the Bahamas. I mean, what were the, even before the Bahamas, what were the, what were the watersheds that you really kind of cut your teeth on?
2: Yeah, kind of the Adirondacks. Um, okay. Definitely East End Grand Bahama. I mean, I started fishing there when I was probably five as well. Six. Oh, that's, um, an early start. that's that's awesome. And then, that's totally, and then Pennsylvania, like the Poconos, hmm. and then I really, you know, kind of got into. Uh, I used to, I used to go early mornings and and troll two fly rods around the lakes and I'd hold them with my feet <laughs> in a rowboat and um, have on like a Mickey fin and a wooly bugger and and just whack a bunch of big not well yeah some big ones uh brook trout and then you know when i got back to jersey i'd smoke them and give them to the neighbors and try to sell them it never really but that was kind of the next step and then i got super fortunate in my i think my parents were sick of me and i got um sent to off to a fly fishing camp uh which is ultimate probably why i live here now um you know so i got pictures of, of fish in the henry's fork and the yellowstone and you know just this, this big kind of month-long tour um with some some camp counselors and that kind of sealed it more and um you know just just kept at it really and then um I'd say my only real break was, was college. That was a little, except for when I was in the Bahamas, but, you know, I think I had other things on my mind and, um, but then, uh, you know, probably because of that fishing camp after I graduated barely, um, I packed up and just moved out West without a plan, you know, and just ended up in, uh, in Colorado and, And that's where it really started to ramp up because I hadn't, you know, done any of those, those rivers and, and really got into the, the technical nymphing part of it all and learned a ton. Um, you know, it's funny how people always, I mean, now I love all of it, right? All fishing. I mean, it's, but people rip on, you hear people, you know, saying that nymphing this, nymphing that, but, you know, go down into Cheesman Canyon and catch a fish. I mean, it's, it's it takes uh yeah, it takes a lot of skill too. You know, what I mean? right? Yeah, very technical. totally. Yeah, um, yeah, it, yeah. And so that was uh, and then I you know bumbled around Colorado and then worked had a quick stint in the investment business real quick. Um, <laughs> maybe probably because of what my. You know, that was what my dad did originally before he ended up being a teacher for, you know, I was such a fuck up that he ended up the the school that kind of brought our family back together. He ended up, he and my mother basically committed the, uh, you know, at least the rest of his time to that school, which, is, which was pretty cool. Um, but I kind of totally lost where I was there um but anyhow yeah right. yeah and then um oh sorry and then yeah back uh i ended up going um going to business school in Colorado and was you know the student loans are adding up and i needed to do something and i um i quit the investment business and then got a job at at uh the trout fisher in Denver uh, it's actually in Aurora and that's where I met, um, uh, you know, some pretty serious anglers and was kind of overwhelmed and was just a sponge, you know, I mean, like Daryl Sickman who still has, the, uh, you know, still look up to him to this day. He has a, these fly tying materials, um he would literally had a, his basement was just full of buckets of dye. Wow. And, uh, you know, so you, I would know, literally, people would come in and be like, can I get this, this shade? And I mean, it was pretty serious shop. Yeah. I mean, half of it was half of it was materials. Um, and then, uh, you know, at the end it was kind of like office space, right? Like I'm finishing business school and I'm, I'm meeting with the bobs and, uh, I was like, I, this is this, <laughs> like,
3: Bob's,
2: yeah. Yeah. I was like, thanks, thanks for your time, guys, but this, this isn't going to work. And they're like, but we're interviewing you. It's like, nah, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: um,
2: but, um, and then from there, just kind of itched, like, used the rest of some student loans and traveled all around Southeast Asia, um, which was amazing and kind of started like, the whole cultural spark for me where I was just so fascinated and so, so healthy that there was something beyond the, you know, the East coast and, and then obviously the Rocky mountains were part of that. And, um, and then, uh, was supposed to go guide in Alaska through some contacts in the shop. And I, um, I, uh, ended up, you know, having that, that pretty major surgery and then talked to the doctor afterwards. And he's like, well, what are your plans? And I was like, well, I'm going to Alaska. And he's like, no, you're not like, you're not, you're not going anywhere. I need to see you every two weeks and then every month. And, and I was a super bummer. And then I called up, um, a buddy, Paul Robertson, who started uh, rock Creek anglers over in Buffalo, Wyoming. And told him and he's like well just come up here and guide for me and and so I left Colorado and headed up there and then uh that was got to fish some amazing I mean there's still a lot of Clark Smythe runs that operation now and um he was guiding with me at the time so that's that's pretty cool that it stayed in the family there and then uh, just so happens a family friend um Bumped into my dad, who was uh, an early investor in Worldcast Anglers, and asked what I was doing. And I was actually Paul and I were going to open up a fly shop in Sheridan, and um, and this is in '99, I think. And and um, the family friend, um, you know, said, "Is there any chance?" He was an investor in in uh, what is now Worldcast, and he just says, is there any chance Mike would come over and talk to us? And I, you know, my dad called me and I was like, sure, I'll do anything, whatever. And so I drove from Buffalo, you know, through Dubois and then came down, like I camped on the wind and caught some fish when I woke up and then like drove down, you know, in the North end of Grand Teton national park. and was like, what the fuck is this place? (laughs) And, uh, Stopped in on Flat Creek and I caught a huge cutty. I think it was in like October, November and, and then went in for the interview and I was kind of done. And I was like, you know, whatever, what, whatever you need me to do. I'm,
3: yeah. you
2: know, you'll get, you'll get full effort. I, I think I want to be here. And yeah. then, uh, fast, fast forward 20 years and here, we are. Uh, here I am.
0: Dude, that's awesome, man. <laughs> that's a rad story. Just
1: following your passion. You know, that's the way to do it. It's huge.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, I think part
2: of it was, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no. After you finish up.
2: No, I often wonder because it was definitely had that, you know, post, um, I knew that, you know, while lucky enough to work in the fly shop and in the industry while, you know, to pay the bills during grad school, um, and that sparked something, but I think ultimately, I think it was, you know, waking up from that surgery and being like, wow, you know, I'll never forget that. That was like, I am going to do, um, something I'm very passionate about Right. and, Man. and, and didn't turn back. So that's awesome.
0: Yeah. it's cool. You had that epiphany. A lot of people right. never do. They just, I mean, just to, you said office space, like they will spend their entire life as a software engineer sitting in a cubicle being miserable never having you know that revelation like this fucking sucks and i'm miserable <laughs> and i have to spend like, a ton of time at work doing this like it's time for a change so yeah man that's <laughs> you yeah yeah I mean? like, okay. the whole traveling thing like you were saying too man like it, it's so eye-opening once you start exploring some some different you know some cultural diversity you realize there's this whole world outside of america mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. In this brand new country you know <laughs>
2: yeah it's funny now because in in belize a couple of weeks or last week i was like like when i meet people again they're like how you been and they're like yes i know like we're a we're a gong show we get it <laughs> um yeah you know, like have to like stand up for america
3: now
1: because it's such a mess but yeah no kidding dude never thought you'd have to explain yourself like yeah we know yeah
0: (laughs) we we need to like okay so i I definitely want to delve a bit deeper into the world of permit because first off because it's such a huge part of your life and, and who you are in terms of you know fish that you pursue and what you know what you're passionate about i talked to uh we were talking to Jeff, Jeff Courier, and he said something to the effect of Mike Dawes is basically the most accomplished permit angler that, that I know of. And I get the impression Jeff being who he is, he probably knows quite a few guys who chase permit. So I think that that, I think that statement holds a lot of weight and uh, you know, your ability to not only feed feed that fish a fly and you know get that fish to commit but also to do it in a uh, in a competitive setting i mean you're super decorated i've been fortunate enough to step foot inside your fly tying studio and i you probably don't even want to want 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 to hear this but i mean do that that place is packed with trophies like you are you're good you you perform under pressure and i think like i said i think a lot of people struggle to feed a permit a fly to begin with but to do it you know under the pressure of a tournament setting where you know everything you know that shot you know putting that fly right in the wheelhouse and getting that fish to commit is is that much more important um I you seem to just have kind of an uncanny ability to do that and uh so i want to i want to i want to talk to you about that fish what about that fish makes you tick like what really drives this this super strong addiction
2: you know first off that is you know that's very nice of you both and of uh, Jeff. That's those are very kind words. Um, that being said, right? I mean, good anglers are a dime a dozen, and, and cool people are not. So, it, it, you know, it's. That, I think that's going to be my my gravestone. But yeah. the, you know, I I I try to get away from that fish, and I can't. You know, it's, it's this, uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm, you know, i make like literally make plans and, and do trips that don't have permit around. And then of course I'll be like, you know, there has to be one here. And then, but yeah, I, I think part of it, the rest, there was a little bit of it, like my grandfather and my father, you know, permit fishing was so in, in such an infancy at that point right. that they they never even really bothered with them. And if they did, it was with spin gear. And I think it has a lot to do with timing, right? Cause it, you know, I mean, you have Huff and, and those guys catching them here and there. And, and then, you know, it's like the next thing after the tarpon wave, right? Like people started to realize that that fish is catchable, um, yeah. you know, at the turn of, you know, the, the two thousand. I mean, before that, but I think that's when it really started to push, and and that's when I when it piqued my interest. And it just, I think that that probably attracted me a little bit of it. But it, I think ultimately, what what really got me personally is just taking a look at that. You know, the act of fishing for permit as a glimpse into your life and fast forward right? Mm. Like you're going to see it all. And how are you, and more often than not, you're going to get rejected. And how do you compose yourself? How do you, um, how do you check your ego? How do you, you know, how do you handle the ups as well as how do you handle the downs? And, you know, a lot of the permit fishing that I've done has been watching because, you know, I'm on a hosted trip or, um, and I'm, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I, take that seriously, right? I mean, I'm, if I'm hosting a trip, mm-hmm. unless someone wants to take a break, right? I mean, they're, they're up, right. um, <laughs> right. and, um, they're, I'm there to help. And, um, and I think that's, that was pretty fortunate too, right? Like, cause it's hard to step back from a permit shop. <laughs> it's like, right. how do you, how, how can you force yourself to do that? But, so I think I got to watch that a lot. And, um, the challenge, I mean, for me, you know, and it, it can be different for everyone, but just personally speaking, for me, it's, it's just kind of the pinnacle and it's, uh, you know, knowing that you're going to go on a trip and you, very well, might not catch anything um, is a hard thing to stomach, but but it's something that kind of piqued my interest, and um, and then the ever flowing kind of you know everything that goes with it from the leaders and the lines and the it's very simplistic, but at the same time it's it's still evolving, um, and uh, you know I, I'll always. Always fish for trout and fish for everything, and and I think it's also right. A little bit of the grass is always greener. I mean, I've got you know eight feet of snow in my yard right now, so it usually brings you to cool places. And right. and and that was another challenge, right? I mean, how how can you live in the Rocky Mountains and be good at this? So I think it was just a lot of a lot of um, challenges and and kept at it. And I remember you know there was times where like this is. I got to, uh, I got to get away from this for a bit. And I think that's, you know, that's been super healthy for, for my permit fishing. Like, you know, go, go catch an Arapaima in Guyana. Like yeah. you don't, don't think that, you know, I mean, a lot of people would say there's nothing that correlates there. And I would say there's fish behavior and all fish that you can take or tactics, you know, to, to other fishing. And so I think, Doing a lot of other fishing as well um, has uh, has helped my permit fishing, but it's yeah. I mean, I, I've come to the point now. I just, I just can't get away from it. You know, it's just it yeah. is. Uh, it's a part you. You know the the old yeah, and the lucky enough that right. It's 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 work. So I've got that excuse, like the ultimate one, like we're doing what? No, it's, it's work, right? <laughs> so, right. but and then the keys part of it i think was a big i mean those guys you know too many names to list but i mean in terms of actual guiding for that fish and uh you know it is uh i mean there's a handful of other guys i've met around the world but it's again the pinnacle and so once i realized that again at least for myself i immersed myself and it was just a sponge into you know i'd take i would just even if i didn't know someone i would you know nestle up at the bar and just see if i couldn't get 30 seconds you know cuz everyone everyone would get a little loose-lipped at a tournament after a <laughs> right. couple of drinks after right. the day and i could i could pick and you know and and uh yeah it's uh and and to me now you know i i fiscally i'm not i'm not set up to to just permit fish whenever I want. Um, and so it's, I've been thought a lot about it. Like why, why is it that fish, you know? And I think what I've realized is it's, it's a, it's a forced, you know, for me, it's like a forced meditation with the strongest focus you could ever have at, at being your better self. Um, and having a short memory when you, when you fuck up.
3: Yeah. And
2: again, I, it's like this, you know, the life and fast forward concept, like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's addicting, right? I mean, we we all, I think it's, it's some primal part of our lives want to be so present that nothing else can enter our minds. And yeah. that's, that's what that fish does for me. I mean, I, Dude, I can, awesome.
0: Uh, what a, Great, and yeah I mean, it's that's huge. really well
1: articulated it actually. is i it mean because yeah. you could apply that to every aspect of your life or you know you're just stuck in the present moment and i think that i mean there's a lot of fishing that that does that and i mean it's, if you're waiting in a strong river you know something where it's like dude i gotta really pay attention to what i'm doing and all my focus is right here but uh yeah that's awesome dude
2: yeah, it's all fishing, right? Yeah. Being I mean,
0: connected. Yeah, that moment that you're connected where you get that eat and you come tied to that fish and, and nothing, everything else in your life that you're thinking about the other 99% of the time is totally cut out and irrelevant. And uh, it's such an escape. Yeah. I mean, no, the way you, the way you said that, man, it's dude. very, very relatable. I think, uh, not only to us, but probably to every person listening.
1: I think there's a lot of tombstone, tombstone quotes
2: on that one, dude. <laughs> <laughs> big, big tombstone. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I had a, so last week it was pretty funny cause it was, uh, like you said, being, being connected, but also being connected when you're not connected, right? Like that's another thing that, that I seem to think about a lot more now and um the I was on the I was on the front of the, the skiff and there was this beautiful kind of coral ridge and the the um tide was coming in strong so it was pushing over the ridge and I was waiting him you know to be on the lee side but it was we had some weird stuff happening where the fish were popping up like on the windward side quite a bit and so we were making a lot of noise being on the windward side and there was this eagle ray. And, you know, I think most people that fish for permanent water, a lot are like, you know, you don't even pay attention to eagle rays and mm-hmm. you'll, you'll never see a permanent on an eagle ray. And of course, like the week before that I was like, there's an eagle ray. And then there's like eight permanent on top of it. I'm like, what the, you know, <laughs> like, and of course you ask the question instead of making the shot, but so this Eagle Ray is cruising down the bank at like five hundred feet away, and I could see him coming, and I'm like, He's gotta pick up a friend, it just looks too good. Mm-hmm. And uh he keeps coming down and I, like he's just stealing my focus. Like I'm I, I I'm scanning the water and I keep going back to the Eagle Ray, and I'm like, he's got no one, and he's got no one, he's got no one, and I watched him the whole bar. And then he came down and he came right in front of the boat. And I'm sure you guys have probably seen the, you know, when the Eagle Rays jump. I mean, people, some <laughs> people say they're play, playing and some people say they're shaking off with Moras or whatever. But, right, right. And I watched him the entire time, like just scanning him. And then he jumped right in front of the boat. And I was like, holy shit, I've never seen that that close. And I turned around um, to the guy. I'm like, how fucking cool is that? And then, I turn back around and there's three permits sitting on the rack. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, oh, I just watched this thing. Um, and then you started thinking like, you know, do they listen for that? I mean, are they, you know, is that shaking off some food or, you know, just, right. you know, and then it's just a mind, right. Mind fuck. Yeah. It <laughs> just keeps Piecing going. Piecing it
0: together. Right. Yeah. Totally. Right. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. That's, That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's a, uh, So like, yeah, yeah, it's funny because I remember, I think that you and I were, I think we were, we were talking maybe 2018 or something like that. And uh, you were, I don't know if you were like St. Brandon's or, I think you were somewhere in the Indian Ocean and you were taught, you were telling me about, you were saying something to the effect of, I'm fishing this fucking atoll in the middle of nowhere and these fish have never seen a fly. And they're so tough. Like their, their scrutiny and their, their level of stipulativeness is so beyond me. Like I thought I was going to, you basically weren't saying like, Oh, I thought I was going to come here and catch a bunch of permit. but you're just like, man, like it's taken a while to kind of piece it all together and, and figure it out. And because you've chased, you know, Atlantic and Indo-Pacific permit, multiple locations around the world, um, I wanted to know, are are there any, like, idiosyncrasies that you see between the two types of permit, or is it pretty much same fish, different ocean for the most part?
2: You know, I would have said, I mean, like I said, I saw some weird stuff go on, like, the past two weeks. but So prior to that, I would say that at times, like, the Indos are harder. Um, And, again, that was before I I got my – trip to Australia the first time to fish for them there last, uh, right, right when COVID we got off of the plane and like came into the COVID world. And, um, but I would say that like there's times, yes, where I've seen the, the Indo-Pacific turn into just a, uh, I wouldn't say uncatchable, but I mean, I've had some moments with those fish that, um, it's beyond puzzling right like i just you know like like strings of a hundred fish tailing and you know up to my chest kneeling in water and like not spooking them and getting the fly and like like in eventually getting so close to them on foot like i said in the water like they don't even know i'm there and like just they're so tuned in to certain i think it's tick tick shells which are like these really micro white shells but and i don't know if it gets them stoned or what but i mean Mm, yeah you would uh you would think so um and i i was fishing with uh mike ward in that one instance and and he was we were separated and afterwards we both came together i think we were speechless like how how did that (laughs) not happen like it's just wild um but yeah i mean i'd say For me personally, like, and maybe it's that they're a little more foreign, but, and the fact that most of the time you're fishing for them, you're on foot, um, that the Indos can be, can be harder, um, for sure. But, and they don't, you know, they don't, the, um, the Indo, the the common Indo-Pacific permit, I'm forgetting the, uh, the snub-nosed pond, I'm forgetting the Latin name, but, they, you know, they don't get that big um, like the atlantics do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got the Africanus, which gets huge and has been known to hit stick baits, right? Like those are, that's a mean fish. Oh, wow. Yeah,
1: um, I didn't know that.
2: And those, yeah, and they, they kind of fall into a, you know, you hear arguments from people whether or not they would say that those are permit or not, but but they are, and it's in the same family, and um i have yet to uh you know because there's there's three species in, in the pacific right you have the, the indo-pacific the anic and then the africanus um and the africanus like i said is the one that, that can be mean and grow big and you, people can catch those a lot no man um i didn't
0: even know that but I, the, I really thought, yeah. I, yeah wow
2: yeah. The, the, the and the, um, um, the Indo-Pacific, the sub-nose pomp- Pompano, like they, um, they look pretty close. Um, except there's like just a blunt, a bluntness to the nose that is kind of a giveaway. Um, but, but then, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it, I guess it's hard, to, the long, that's way too long of an answer, but, like, it's hard to, um, you know, with each trip, like, it, it all changes, right? And maybe that's that's why I yeah. keep doing it, but the, the, the puzzle grows because then I've gone to the Seychelles and, it like, after getting my ass just handed to me and gone back there and fished just a little different way and different flats and, and lit them up and it's like what is at the same time of year and the same tides like mm. i i don't um, so it's uh that's
0: tough it's, yeah
1: it's a hunting fish it's,
2: yeah it's what keeps you keeps it going right yeah. if, and the crazy part is if you if you could figure it out you'd you'd probably stop doing it so that's it right that's totally it, there lies agree. the addiction yeah that's,
0: yeah that's why it's so it's just so addictive it's just yeah, you get these little dashes of success here and there that I don't know just key into that that brain physiology you know just like loads you up lights you up with dopamine and it's the most potent gnarly thing that I guess everybody gets derives it from different means but for people like us it's all it's all through coming tight on a fish and and yeah that's it's fascinating super fat. is that is that is that the fish or would you say those indo-pacifics are like the fish that have probably dissed you the most humility
2: yeah like if i was to pick like times when i've just gotten my ass kicked harder than ever that would be um <laughs> it would be by those fish for sure there's no doubt about it um blotchy sorry that's the that's the common indo-pacific mm. name so you got the blotchy the of the epic but yeah the the blotchies have, have worked me over pretty well, but, you know, I mean, it, it, it's funny how they'll break you down to the, to the basics. I mean, I, one of the trips at St. Brandon, St. Brandon's I uh, was just getting, just worked. I mean, just day after day. And I finally, uh, that night we were having a cocktail and I was talking to the head guide, Craig, who, who now works with us as well. And I was like, Craig, listen, I don't know what the fuck is going on here, but I'm getting my ass kicked and I have no confidence in anything right now. So just give me the one fly that has caught the most permit on this atoll period. And he's like, all right, no problem. And he came back and he gave me like a size four white Merkin. And I was like, this is it. And he's like, so yup, disappointing. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh i caught five or it was like three or something the next day maybe more but it, it, you know it's so funny how it works like that right like i'm throwing all this weird stuff and stuff yes. that i tied and that's funny and then then it goes to your mind right, that it looks like a tick tac show right so you know it's- that's
0: uh yeah that's no, pretty 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 fascinating. It's I think we become really good at overworking flies. Like at the end of the day, we want to mm, be sure. really happy with the way they look, and uh, I think we, we delve too far outside of those those fish catching parameters to where you know it it, it starts to kind of take away from it. You know, the better it looks to us, maybe the worse it looks to them or you know, the more off putting it is to them. It, you go you end up gravitating back towards these really simplistic kind of rudimentary patterns that just produce are time tested and have produced time and time again for a reason.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it, right it's a classic like listen to your fucking guide. Yeah. You know right, totally.
1: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <exactly> <laughs> yeah, that's a testament to all guides right there. For
3: sure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. It's uh... Yeah, I remember one. You know, like you said, like we, we, we went down the rabbit hole. That one of the times we got our ass kicked by that fish, and um, I think it was it was either Tim Brune or, or Mike Ward. They you know, we were fishing together. It reminds me of that scene in Wedding Crashers, right? When they're like, they 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 need to go hunting, and and he's like, I don't even know what a fucking quail looks like, <laughs> you know? <laughs>
3: yeah, that's
2: right. <laughs> and um, so in this area in the Seychelles, there's all these brittle stars. I don't know if you guys have seen those, but they're like, it's like a, imagine a quarter with crazy Mm -hmm. legs coming off it, you know, and I don't know if they have, you guys have those in California or not, but, but they were everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were everywhere. And it's like, well, they have to be eating them. And so then like, when we finally got the chance to go back, you know, we had urchin flies and brittle star flies and, um I remember like I think it was Ward who threw it at a fish. He's like, I don't know how you fish a brittle star. Like what are you... <laughs> like they don't really like looked at me like I don't know how to do this. And yeah. I'm like, I don't either, man. That's funny. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> that is that the first time I fished the Cinco, I don't know if you know, like largemouth bass. there's something called the Cinco. And my yeah. my buddy was just like the same thing. I look at it, I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's a it it looks like a really abnormally fat plastic worm but for the way it's weighted or so when it sinks it just the tail just barely like ever so subtly kind of moves and he's like just fucking throw it out there and let it sink and just Mm -hmm. he was like i can't even tell you how to fish it it fishes itself just kind of move it super slow (laughs) here and there and I ended up catching one of the biggest bass in my life that day, but yeah, it just kind of to your point, yeah. It, I mean, you look at these things, like you look at a brittle star fly, and you're like, "Fuck!" I'm looking at this thing. It doesn't do shit. It's how do I (laughs) I emulate what this is supposed to? Right, totally. That's 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 hilarious. You know, that's Uh, like yeah, the the
1: same thing for you know the cinco. Like people have tried to mimic the fly to match the Cinco but it's like we we can't fish it like that like we, it's just right it, it just sits there you know and the micro currents just slightly move it somehow and I mean it's <laughs> just like dude there's like how would even detect that bite <laughs> it's crazy
2: is is it is it Cinco like like Spanish five is that the name of the fly um, or just so like this, Cinco well the- the Cinco is
0: like, it's a soft plastic. No, it's, not. Conventional no, it's not the, oh, it's,
1: it's S E N K O. It's not, okay. the, yeah, it's not Spanish for five.
0: Yeah. Well, we can start yeah, making, yeah. we can
1: start calling it that though. That'd be awesome.
0: What's that dude, Alex, that you just uh, got those bugs from that ties all those crazy flies.
1: Oh my God. Charlie Bisharat.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he'd be the guy. Yeah. So I've, I've talked I was talking to him out. about it,
1: <laughs> but it's just fishing it. Though. It's, it's like that. It's like fishing the brittle star. Like, how, what do you do? Like, you know, if they're eating those things, like how are they going to choose Fuck. your brittle star over, you know, all the hundreds of brittle stars fucking out there not doing shit. They're just fucking yeah, exactly. there. dude.
2: You know, yeah. I don't know. And do you guys just let that thing, like you, like you said, Dave, you just throw it out there and let it, let it sink. Is that- you
0: let it sink. And uh, yeah, Mike, it's like the way it's poured. So it's like, it's a soft plastic bait that conventional guys use and the way that it's poured. I don't know if they weighed it a specific way, but something anatomically in that, in the way that, that the shape that it is and the way it's poured, it just, the tail just barely, it sinks really slow and the tail just faintly like a flutter, like the most subtle fucking action that you can imagine. It just barely kinda wiggles. And so you fish it super slow. You just mm-hmm. kinda drag it along. They but
1: do a bunch of you, different stuff with it too where they'll you know, they'll rig it um Yeah, like it's called you can wacky. It a bunch of t- like yeah, you put it in, rag- in the in the center, cause it's like a almost it like a tapered cigar. It's just you a know? weird it's a weird it's, and I don't know, but it's the most deadly <laughs> plastic yeah, I mean, out yeah, there it's for bass for tons. whatever.
0: When someone figures out how to tie something, yeah. close, you know, that emulates that 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 basically captures those same fish catching characteristics, like yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna clean up. There's yeah, we've there's tried no question it. About
1: it. I haven't tried it personally. I've thought about it, but I've had friends tie some stuff, and it just doesn't. I mean, it's hard to mimic material right. with this plastic. It's 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 yeah. crazy. You know, I can imagine. Yeah but anyway but yeah bass love them and it's just a weird, a weird it, I think it's a fall really I, for me what I've it is. been learning more I mean, it's it's the it's oh, how it this fall, thing nice. sinks and how slow it mm-hmm. sinks and how you rig it like that's what you know makes the bass react to it and follow it Absolutely. down and then they're staring at it and then it the fucking wiggles and they're like I'm going to fucking eat it boom and they that's, hammer it that's that point <laughs> yeah, that's of that's that point the, of yeah You move again, dude, and I'm going to eat you. I swear to God. And yeah, that's how.
2: Yeah, that. And I, it's funny because I think, you know, the worms are going to, they will make their way into the permit fishing world at at some point, and it's going to be deadly. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know enough about it, but right, like, pretty obvious in the tarpon world when when it happens, Yeah. Right. Fall worms hatch. Right. And I was down in Mexico last fall and, uh, Jose who I, who I fished with a lot, Carreto, his son Parker was on the beach and we were just watching the sunset and he's like, watch this. And, and literally, I mean, he's digging in the sand and he grabs a couple worms and throws them on a hook and hand lines it out there and catches the permit. I'm like, are you fucking kidding yeah. me? Wow. And, um, and then you yeah, think yeah. about like all the worms and coral, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I maybe not, but, um, I, I can't say I've ever met anybody who's tried it, right? Like a, a worm for permit fishing, but we've already got yeah. some, some prototypes yeah. in the works.
1: For sure. Like, and now, yeah. um, have in all your permit history, um, did people eat them? Has anybody opened up the stomach? Like, what else is, are they forging on?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, they're more often than not when you hear those stories, right? Or the ones that I've seen, which have been a few, it's, um, I, I'm forgetting the classification, but shells, urchins, right? Like, make up a yeah, large part of their diet. Yeah, crustaceans, um, and uh justin ray was had opened one up down in the keys and told me that it was just full with small black urchins wow. um yeah. and uh so again you know i mean i've got urchin flies but yeah i don't know how do you um <laughs> I've, i i've tried it but i, I don't you know oh. it's it's hard uh, you know spinning black deer hair on a lightly weighted and they don't sink right they're not moving to the bottom so it's a very uh, I, I gave up on that pretty quick but mm-hmm. um, but yeah I mean I think I think there always is right and the percentage I think is way smaller I've read some studies like the crabs and shrimp and um, it's pretty small of, of historically what they find in their stomachs, like you know 12% um so again you're you're kind of with the way we're all the world's fishing form right it's it's uh it goes to that theory of you know having to find the right fish mm.
0: um, absolutely
2: you know if, if we ate you if you eat a cheeseburger seven days in a row and Someone wants to give you a cheeseburger, you're gonna be like, "No way!" So <laughs>
3: right, right, totally. Yeah,
1: um, dude, those are last week, man. Yeah, exactly. Working on the chicken tenders,
2: exactly.
0: Speaking of cheeseburgers, um, are are you guys still at that same place in Wilson, Mike?
2: We are, yeah.
0: Cool, cool, man. You guys been hitting up the Stagecoach?
2: Yeah, yeah. Street food places. Uh, <laughs> they've been they've been delivering. Um, we've, you know, I think everyone around here, as I'm presuming, you know, there as well, has been mostly on the takeout scene. So, mm-hmm. right. but yeah, we're, we're, uh, we, we, yeah, we're still, they're still going strong. So that's, that's, that's good. good. Cause, uh, yeah, we're, it's a once a week deal for sure. That's awesome. Um, yeah. that's good, nice man. to have that such a diverse menu, you know, get, get it all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They got what, like they do the tacos, the burgers, the, I mean, I, I know the pulled pork sandwiches, they outstanding. It's fantastic.
2: Yeah. Like the tuna poke bowl too. Like you wouldn't, oh you God. wouldn't think that, that that would be, yeah. You wouldn't think that would be at, a, at the stage coach.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude, they're running a gamut over there. It's like, you got uh, poke bowls, you got chili cornbread. That's crazy. Uh, I love that. But yeah, they're,
2: they're going strong for sure. That's nice. cool. I'm glad, I'm glad to, definitely glad to
0: hear that. I don't know. I've eaten some good food out there, doing, uh, fishing trips out to Wyo. Have you, did you ever, have you ever eaten at that Deli Oboe's out in Pinedale? I, ha-
2: is that in the gas station?
0: I think, I think it is. I think it's connected to the gas station. If I remember right. Yeah. I ate there.
2: Yeah. I think it's like on the turnoff to the New Fork, I think.
0: It, yeah, yeah. 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 That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I
2: have. Yeah.
0: Next time you go there, I mean, fuck, I don't even know because I don't even care about these, but my friend ordered one just because he was fascinated with the way it looked. And then he gave me a bite of it. And it's one of the best things I've ever had, dude. Next time, if you're ever next time you go to Soda or if you're up there fishing the new fork or the green, whatever, dude, go in there and order the pistachio muffin. They have Mm. the fucking. They have a pistachio muffin, and it's like a fucking nuclear green color, like the brightest green that you can imagine, but it is so outstanding, and I don't know if- Oh,
2: I'm all over that. Yeah, that sounds- <laughs> Yeah,
0: t- take a mental note right now. Right, right now, take, <laughs> get the pistachio muffin, because it's, it's out of this world. I also wanted to ask you, uh, how are Jen and the kids doing?
2: Uh, they're, they're good. Everyone's healthy, you know, can't, can't complain, you know, Jen, we both again, right. We're just super lucky. I mean, I don't, I, uh, it's such a stark contrast, you know, when you do travel, when you go to a place where things haven't been lucky, right. I mean, Mm. Jen's in real estate and there's, uh, you know, a lot of people moving here. And so that means she's you know doing well and and again the whatever's going on in the fishing world it's happening um so we're lucky there and the kids are they're awesome um we're going just to super school? Fo- yeah I was gonna say, they're just super fortunate right that they're still in school four days a week and if you um which is very cool and mm-hmm. everyone's in masks and it's amazing how resilient they are to them. I mean, I've never heard my kids complain about a mask once. Um, good. you know, it's just, it's pretty amazing. And, and then, uh, the day that they're not in school, if you're, uh, you know, if you're a working family, uh, where both, both adults are working, the, the County has set up a program, um, so it's, they, they go to school for four days a week. And on that fifth day, they go to a County program. Um, oh, wow. so we've just been super, super lucky. That's um,
0: awesome resource. Wow.
2: Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely a benefit of uh, this community that that they would even look into that. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing.
0: That's rad. That's super cool, man. That's, uh, I don't know. It's part of the, I don't know when I think Wyoming, I, I think that, that that, that, would be a state that they would just have their shit together and have things set up in a way that would really facilitate helping the people who live there for the most part. Mm-hmm. I, I don't live there. So that's just a thought, but right. you're, you're basically validating that thought right now.
1: Well, just the we fact that you know, some people it's go it's in school, right. <laughs> I know I'm we're fortunate. <laughs> I got two kids. I mean, they're in high school, but they're, they've been able to go back to school and they're there five days a week. <laughs> But, uh, How old are they, Alan? They are 15 and 17.
2: Oh, great. So It makes it not right. like,
1: and, you know, they've done the homeschool thing before. So when they were working at school and doing school work at home, that wasn't an issue. But, you know, the ones that, you know, I feel for are the, the younger kids that, you know, maybe not are fully understanding what's going on and why do I have to sit in front of this computer? And, you know, you know, we're all social beings. You know, we have to, you know, be out and talk to people and see people and, um, yeah, it's crazy when there's a lot of places here in California that still aren't allowed to do that. You know, I, I'm like I said, I'm fortunate that the kids, my kids are older and they can go to school, but either, you know, even then, like they had the opportunity to either stay home or go back to school. And they're like, dude, we want to go back to school. Like, there's no way we're we're going to stay home anymore. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a crazy mixed bag out there, man. I hope everybody, you know, fares well mentally you know, when this is all over.
2: Yeah, I don't know who it, I don't know who it was, but I remember listening to an interview when this thing started, and they were like, "So when you know some some authority in um, epidemiology or whatever that word's probably wrong, but um, you know, like when do you think this could end?" And and the guy was like, "When do you get out of jail?" And the interviewer was like, "Well, I don't know when you're on good behavior," and he's like, "That's when this will end." Wow! Like
3: <laughs>
2: we need to yeah. shape up and take care of what we've got, and right. I mean it's it's uh, it's been it's been pretty noisy out there. It's wild, yeah, um, for
3: sure. But again, it puts
2: everything in perspective. I mean, I like I hadn't seen the ocean, and I got you know I was comfortable with my and it's so unique, right? Everyone has their own outlook
3: mm-hmm. in
2: everything right. with this thing, for and sure. and mine is just. You know, I'm, I don't do anything. I, I take care of my kids and go to work and keep my head down. And i just been kind of trying to, you know, do what I think is right. But when it came time to travel, I made sure to get tested and and uh, do everything in my power and, you know, to, to do it in my unique outlook, which I think is, you know, pretty safe. And I remember getting down to Mexico, like, and I was just about to complain about, you know, how crazy it is out here. And you could see it in their eyes. I mean, they're like, we haven't worked since. Mm. Uh, you know, and then I was like, well, wow, I, I guess I've got, shouldn't, sh- I should shut up right now. And yeah. and then I was like, well, at least you guys had lobster season. You know, how was that? It was, you know, good good lobster season. And they were like, we're, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, lobster season. And they're like, we got nowhere to sell the lobster. Holy shit! You you don't even
0: realize, yeah, like how heavy. Yeah,
1: this, yeah, the supply chain on everything, you know, has been broken so many times. It's wild.
2: Yeah, it's. uh, So yeah, it goes back to I got absolutely nothing to complain about. Mm.
0: That's a rad mindset to just to nurture, (laughs) because. When you really boil it down, I think very few of us really do have a whole lot of shit to piss and moan about. I mean, yeah. and a, you know, obviously traveling to countries or areas geographically that are, you know, not not as well off as we are here in the States, I think really opens your eyes to just how little we have to complain about. Oh, yeah, dude, for sure. But first of all, the problem
1: I yeah. mean shit.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. We <laughs> had some stuff
2: nice. go wrong with, you know with that boat in belize and the guy was like we haven't worked this thing hasn't been out for a year i'm sorry like we we tried you know it's like holy shit
1: wow that's that's tough
0: i remember talking to you mike right i I think maybe february march maybe april or may i talked to you and i think we were talking about this very thing just kind of how how covid had sort Mm. of and Alex, you and I have had numerous conversations about this too. Just COVID's kind of uh, reshaped our thinking and probably shed a lot of light on things that we took for granted. And uh, I mean, fuck, like me, I I was calling people that I hadn't talked to, like maybe relationships that I had sort of just kind of let go and people I hadn't checked in on. But it's like all of a sudden, all you have is time, and you're like if I don't have some way to fill this, I'm going to go crazy. So, you know, I I mean, I was reaching out to people and, and just rekindling relationships and going fishing at a bunch of spots that were right down the street from my house that I probably hadn't fished at for months or maybe even years, just because I was, you know, accessing other things that were available at the time. But yeah, I think it caused like this sort of, you know, micro focus on what is available and you realize like, shit, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I'm totally taking for granted right now that, that makes my, my life a whole lot better, you know?
2: Yeah. And what a cool outlook, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. what a, what a silver lining and it also makes you wonder like, is this how we shouldn't be living a little more, right? Like right.
0: exactly
2: paying, paying more attention to relationships or, being more curious about what's in your own backyard or, I mean, the silver linings, I think, right. That's one thing we all, or we, I shouldn't say we all, me personally, right. Like, you know, you hear the story about the kid in India that got to see blue sky for the first time or, yeah, you know, stuff crazy. like that. Like I, I, uh, I, I'm hopeful that something, you know, that we do behave and, and get out of this and, and something. Uh, and there are,
0: Lessons
1: learned, right? I mean Mm
0: -hmm. absolutely. For sure. Yeah. I I remember seeing a documentary about they they did they they basically uh, they surveyed all these people. Like this person did this documentary. They went all over the world and they they surveyed and like did this these analyses of, of all these different people from all these different geographic regions, different continents, and they found the whole premise of the documentary was to kind of see what, what parts of the world kind of held down the happiest people, the people that just kind of had it together and just got it and just woke up every day, wanting to go out and tackle life and just being stoked on what they had. And, uh, you know, just, you know, being having that gratification for life and just loving the fact that they had a life to spend. And uh, they found that the poorest people, in the poorest parts of the world have the best life outlooks. And when you think about it, like it makes perfect sense because like those people are just so fired up to wake up and hang out with their families and like plow their fields and grow their rice, whatever, you know, but it, it, it just kind of plays into exactly what we're talking about. It's I, just a simplicity <laughs> about it. You know, the simplicity
2: which mm-hmm. all yeah. gets
0: overshadowed right. and all the bullshit that we create.
2: Correct. Totally. Basically. Yeah, there was a, uh, an article I read recently, and I've been fortunate enough to, uh, you know, sometimes times when I've definitely... I was on the Messier hunt for a while and mm. got, got to spend some time in Bhutan, um, which is just a gem. And there was a great article recently uh, in The Atlantic about... Um, I think it's called the unlikeliest pandemic success story. And it's all about Bhutan. And it's exactly what you guys are talking about. Like they took a step back and we're like, we need to take care of our community. And, um, and that's our country. And they, and they have, and it's, it's, uh, you guys should check it out. It's a, it's a pretty cool article.
0: Yeah. What, t- tell me the name of it again. I'll write it down.
2: It's the unlikeliest pandemic success story. Mm. It was in, uh, it was in the Atlantic and it's all about how Bhutan has just drilled this thing, which like, just like you guys were just saying, right? Like there's a reason that they don't have a, a, um, GDP, right. It's for GN, whatever it's GNH, you know, gross national happiness mm. and they, and they measure it every year. Like it's, <laughs>
0: it's pretty
1: damn cool. Wow. That's rad. Yeah. That is totally rad. Super cool. Mike, dude, this is, this has been awesome, man. I, uh, I really appreciate you taking, you know, an hour out of your Friday evening to, uh, to sit down and talk with us. And I, I mean, I've been hearing about you all I've known about you just being in the fly fishing industry and, uh, you know, know, that you and Dave have been personal friends. So, uh, I've been hearing a lot of great stories about you, and I'm I'm pumped that you were able to make it on. I mean, it, it was a pleasure having you. I love it.
2: Yeah, I Absolutely. can't thank you guys enough, and and more importantly, look forward to uh, getting to fish together when we do.
1: That's it, man. <laughs> I got to go out your way. That's for sure. Um, you know, I fished all around that area, but I haven't fished in Wyoming, so uh, definitely want to get up there and uh, check. Anytime. out. Anytime.
2: Yeah. Anytime, man. Just just with the kids just just need a little bit of heads up. Yeah, totally.
3: <laughs> I
1: work and
2: but uh any any time. Yeah. Would uh would love to love to hang with you guys.
1: That sounds awesome. Yeah, man. Hey, yeah, Mike. Mike uh, for taking the time. Yeah, for sure. And before we head out, dude, I just want you to just give a shout out to uh how anybody can can find you, um any social media outlets, um you know, swing by, you know, the shop or anything like that. Uh how can people get a hold of you and, and uh, be a part of what you do.
2: Yeah, um, I, I'm really bad at social media. <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, I'm actually. I'm looking up. It's. Um, it's a good thing, actually. <laughs> it's a, it's um,
3: good,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. The only thing I have is Instagram, and it's it's at M Dawes Jr. But, um. The company is, uh, you know, Worldcast Anglers, and um, I don't even know what what that one is, but at, <laughs> I think it's at, 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 at world yes, The best response We'll find
1: it. We'll find yeah. it. Uh, yeah, it's
2: it's it's at at, uh, at Worldcast. Uh, I just looked it up at Worldcast <laughs> underscore uh, Go Fish, but awesome. Um, That's cool. But yeah, or you know any and, and you know call the shop and i'm i'm usually there
1: so awesome yeah and we'll have that information on the on our website so if anybody wants to get in touch with you and uh book a trip or you yeah, know shoot the bull about permit yeah know where we to find did you.
0: before be, before you jumped on mike we kind of did a, a general overview of of you and Worldcast and kind of the whole shebang so when you know when when Alex publishes this episode, you'll you'll get to hear that. But but yeah, it's just uh yeah, we just basically want people to know if they you know we already let let them in. You guys do the domestic stuff, you do the international stuff, and if they want to book a trip through you, you know just how they go about it. But but um, yeah, we'll we'll,
2: yeah, well, we'll I really way. appreciate that.
0: Yeah, of course, absolutely, it's our pleasure. Like Alex said, we i know i know personally how busy of a dude you are and how much stuff you got going on all the time so yeah it's um it's in this is invaluable like we really appreciate you jumping on with us and uh taking the time and i always like talking to you anyways you and i have gotten into some good deep ones so uh i'm sure i'll be talking to you before too long for sure
2: (laughs) absolutely i I, uh, i appreciate you guys and and uh sincerely do it's been uh it's been really cool to talk to you guys and uh It won't be the last time. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure, yeah, Alex, especially. Nice to meet you over the phone.
1: Yeah, you bet, dude. Nice to meet you too, man. Go ahead and enjoy the evening with the family. We'll be talking to you.
2: All right, guys, keep it real. We'll talk to you. Take care, brother. All right, later. Bye. Later.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of BFF. Tune in next time for more stories, laughs, and beer-fueled banter. Cheers!